This is the Ivy Retirement Podcast with Peter Laufenberg from the Ivy League Advisory Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Peter provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is the Ivy Retirement Podcast with Peter Laufenberg. Hello, and welcome back to the Ivy Retirement Podcast. My name is Peter Laufenberg from the Ivy League Advisory Group. If you'd like more information about what you hear during the show today, give us a call at 866-360-2724 or visit us online at theivag.com. And while on the website, check out the podcast page to see past shows or to subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And as always, please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions that you may have, uh, and we can set up a a face-to-face, a virtual meeting, uh, and take it from there. You know, we talk about Social Security on this show quite a bit. I actually think there's probably three or four, maybe even five podcasts already dedicated to the topic. But hey, it's a very important topic, right? On average, Social Security makes up almost 65% of total household income for those who are retired. So it's really important to understand the program, how it works, um, and just uh, be aware of what's going on overall with Social Security. Today, I want to talk about some of those myths um, that, that are out there about Social Security, some of the things that I've heard from folks as they've come to my office and they ask questions, um, you know, they've heard from a friend of a friend that Social Security does X, Y, Z, and there isn't really a, a lot of fact to it. So I've kind of selected some of the top myths that I've heard, and, and we're going to talk about uh, the nugget of truth that may be part of that and also just kind of uh, bring in a reality check for some of those myths. Um, but before we do that, I want to welcome in my co-host, Tony. Tony, how are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. And I mean that. And yes, this is a financial podcast, but I'm still excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you are, Tony. So am I. (laughs) Well, yeah, we have fun with it. And I'm going to learn something because I know there are a lot of myths out there and a lot of confusion regarding Social Security. So I'm excited about that. But first, the more important question here. Uh-oh. is how have you been, Peter, and did you watch the Super Bowl last weekend? Um, I have been very good. Thanks for asking. You know, working our way through winter and yep. um, still busy busy with, you know, the, the business. So you can't really complain. Did I watch the Super Bowl? I have to be honest. I probably tuned in around the middle of the third quarter because of just the, the timing of it. But it seemed to be a good game. And uh uh, I was kind of watching more for the commercials since the Patriots weren't in it. I really didn't uh, have a vested interest in either team, to be frank. But, you know, the commercials are always fun. Yeah, they were. I really enjoyed the uh, Austin Powers. I saw that. Uh, I, I couldn't believe they got the original cast back to do a commercial. I thought that was pretty funny. And there was one with yeah. um, Larry David that was funny. There yeah, were a couple of funny ones. Uh, there were some dumb ones, too. That's well, there's always some dumb ones. I think there was a good one, too, with Jim Carrey, right? Yes, Cable Guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which is interesting. You know, they, they talked about the halftime show being, you know, I say geared towards millennials, but millennials identified with the halftime show. A lot of the commercials I noticed had to do with movies uh, that were from the late 90s through the early 2000s, which is also the sweet spot for millennials. I, there was clearly a shift in the marketing uh, and almost for the audience this year uh, for the Super Bowl. It was is it was noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That's true. It was all, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, more uh, Gen X uh, in the ads, Gen X and boomers uh, for the ads. Uh, Yeah, because my uh, my kids are like, yeah, I don't I don't know. So Jim Carrey, I kind of know him. I don't know the movie Cable Guy. You know, it's like, okay, right. So and and some of the stars, you know, it's like Schwarzenegger, Carrey, you know, Mike Myers. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a transition without a doubt. Yeah, so. but I like the game. I'm I'm glad the Rams won, and I like the halftime show. I'm I am totally not uh, a rap guy, <laughs> hip hop. Yeah. Never listened to it, right? Yeah, but not, actually, not I, so I was like, oh, I'm really not gonna like this halftime show. Pleasantly surprised. I thought they put on a good show, and I'm like, Dr. Dre seems uh, legit. Some talent, one of the originals, you know, up mm-hmm. there. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of fun. But anyway, let's get to our topic today. <laughs> The topic du jour is social security, myth versus reality. And, you know, a lot of people wonder, hey, is it going to be there when we retire or are the benefits going to shrink? And what about annual cost of living adjustments? Are they going to vanish? So, uh, you know, uh, the more you need something, the more you worry about it. So let's get to some social security myths. Yeah. So, so the first myth that is usually the one that uh, comes out the first is, hey, look, Social Security is going to run out of money at some point and my benefit is going to stop. That's the first one. It's probably the biggest one that's on people's minds. Yeah. Why does that myth refuse to die? Well, because when you when you look at uh, statistics and the way the program works, Social Security does face some challenges. Now, in the short term, right, um, the program has still been taking in more money than it's paying out. And that's been happening for several decades. And it has led to uh, a surplus. So as of 2020, there was a three trillion dollar surplus in the Social Security Trust Fund. Right now, the where the fear comes in or where this myth uh, starts to grow some legs is that as time goes on, right, as the baby boomer generation uh, continues to retire on mass and Xers actually start to retire, there's going to start being more people taking money out of the program than putting into the program. And so by 2034, that three trillion dollar surplus is going to run out. And now uh, the program is going to have to essentially go year by year uh, and break even. And if not, then there's going to have to be a solution found to make the program solvent. Now, 2034 sounds like a long ways off. But remember, we're in 2022. 2034 is only 12 years away. Um, And again, time goes pretty quick. So this is one of those myths where they talk about, hey, the program is going to run out of money. The truth that is, there is some truth there, um, but there's also some time to figure out uh, how to fix the problem if necessary. 
Wow, Peter, I mean, to be honest with you, that all seems pretty alarming to me. Yeah, I mean, it is alarming to hear that Social Security may run out of money, right? But remember, the program isn't broke once the surplus is gone. As I mentioned, there's still money coming in, um, just there's not enough coming in for the benefits that are going to be potentially paid out. So, you know, at some point, Congress is going to have to deal with the issue. Unfortunately, Congress is known for not dealing with an issue until it's an absolute crisis, but also they like to get reelected and they know that uh, when a significant part of the electorate is receiving a benefit um, and that benefit is, is either going to be reduced or eliminated, there's going to be some backlash. So, uh, you know, it's something to keep abreast of and make sure you understand what's going on. But I wouldn't necessarily fear that all of a sudden Social Security is going to disappear. At some point, Congress will deal with the issue um, when it becomes more of a crisis would be my personal opinion. Ah, OK. Well, and I suppose that makes sense. And uh, obviously, I think they'll make adjustments. It's not going to go away. Um, I think most members of Congress want to get reelected and advocating for Social Security is a, a good way to do so. They call it the third rail of politics because no politician wants to uh, be for uh, let it die. So, right. That's not going to happen. May it, you know, may the benefit amount be reduced a little bit? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And and as I tell folks, so I'm, you know, I'm in my mid 30s. If you're in your mid 30s, social security is going to be a very different program for you than it is for someone who's 65 or 70 right now. Um, but uh, is the program ever going to completely disappear? Absolutely not. Um, and, and it's again, it's something that, you know, uh, knowledge is power, right? So make sure you, as you work with a financial service professional and in your own research, you just understand where things are um, with the social security funding process and in the program overall. Yeah, true. So what's the next common myth about Social Security we should know about? So I often hear this when folks come in. I'm going to take my benefit at age 65 because that's the retirement age, right? 65 is this number that is embedded in people's brains for one, their age of retiring, leaving work in general, but also the age at which they have to take Social Security. Well, the truth of the matter is if you were born um, in 1955, you're actually full retirement age, right? The age in which you can receive your 100% benefit from Social Security is actually 66 years old. And if you bump that up a couple more years, your birth your birth year, if you're born in 1960 or after, your full retirement age is 67, right? They have been uh, jiggering with this number um, over the years to try to get the, allow Social Security to be more solvent, right? To stretch out the the payment amounts and also the ability for the program to be sustainable about income uh, inflows of cash and outflows of cash. So 65 is not a magic number um, for everyone. It's all going to be based on your birthday. And again, for most of the baby boomer generation um, or the latter half, two thirds of the baby boomer generation, your your full retirement age for Social Security is going to be either 66 or 67 or some month in between there. And also keep in mind, as we've talked a number of times, you can take your benefit at any point be between age 62 and age 70. Now, there's both there's a there's consequences for that. Right. Your your amount is going to be adjusted um, based on when you take it. But uh, 65 for most people nowadays is not a, a, a number that's going to have much significance when it comes to Social Security. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And I think that's a, a, a common, uh, misconception out there is, mm. uh, you know, when to file for social security, uh, what the best time is. 
And I, I honestly don't know all the history behind the changes to the full retirement age that you're talking about, but it has changed over the years. Well, yeah, because remember when the 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 program was founded in 1935, right? 65 yeah. was the eligibility age. Sure, that was it. No, nothing before, nothing that's why, after. That's why 65 kind of became the go-to for that's full retirement. That's the age you should retire. 65. You get Medicare. And originally, that's when Social Security, uh, the full retirement age was. But it's changed since then. Well, yeah, Tony, you have to remember that the age 65, when the program was founded mm-hmm. uh, in 1935, 65 was the eligible age. And there was nothing, you know, there was no take it at 62, take it at 70. You took it at 65, and that was your benefit. So that 65 has kind of lived on in history. But as time has gone on since 1935, um, they've allowed more um, your ability to take it at different ages, they've also realized that life expectancy, retirement and life expectancy has grown, right? The average life expectancy is 84 years old for an American. So that's almost 20 years of a retirement. Well, that's 20 years of potentially taking a benefit and, and taking money out of the trust fund. So, you know, they've had to make make changes to make sure the, the program stays as solvent as it possibly can. Yeah. And that's, that's key on keeping it solvent, right? Yeah. Um, so the retirement age has to go up. So what's the next myth? Yeah, so the next myth always has to deal with cost of living, right? Or what we call a COLA. And the cost of living, and, and what I hear a lot is, well, I'm automatically going to get a cost of living adjustment or my benefit's going to go up every year because uh, the cost of items are going up. Well, the the cost of living adjustment is not automatic per se, right? It has to, it's one, takes an act of Congress to do that. So they have to pass it. And it's tied to... Um, uh, government statistics about inflation, the CPI essentially. So if you have years in which there is no inflation, which has happened before, right? We've had a couple years, 2010, 2011, uh, 2016, in which technically there was no official inflation. There was no cost of living adjustment for Social Security. So, you know, people go into this assuming, well, I'm going to get an increase every year. You may not get an increase. And unfortunately, sometimes when you do get an increase, it's nowhere near as much as it should uh, account for inflation. Take, for example, this coming year, right? So in 2021, um, it was uh, decided in the in the fall of that year that Social Security was going to get a 5.9% uh, increase to the benefits starting in 2022. Well, guess what? Inflation is at seven and a half. So that that cost of a living adjustment, though you got it at 6%, still isn't as much as inflation. And so it's important to keep in mind that the, the COLA is important. It, it's trying to keep the Social Security benefits in line with the rate, you know, the increased costs of things. But it one, is not a guarantee. Um, and two, sometimes it's not going to match what's happening with inflation in the, in the greater world or in the greater economy. Right. There you go. So uh, if, if there's no price jump, there's no jump in the cola, according to the government's formula. And I know, Correct. but, but I know, uh, a lot of times, like you said, uh, there hasn't always been a cola, right? Right. And, and keep in mind that government formula doesn't count, uh, it doesn't account for certain things in yeah. it, right? Like the, the CPI calculation has changed over the years and doesn't include things like fuel and food, which are two of the big things that go up. So when you see um, when you see some of those P- uh, CPI uh, numbers, they take some P- they take some things in the greater economy 
out of that calculation because they vary quite a bit. But in a given year, fuel costs double, right? I think we've seen a a 50 or 75% increase in the cost of fuel in 2021. That's not even calculated in the CPI. So the the point there is, one, don't assume you're going to get a cola just because you see prices going up. Um, And two, it is not automatic every year that there's an increase. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, so there were three years actually in the last 10 that uh, we didn't get an increase, but now we've got a big one because inflation is really up there. So uh, why don't we let our listeners know really quick here how they can get a hold of you to set up a plan to deal with this? Yeah. So, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, social security is a huge piece of retirement planning, right? Um, and it's going to make up probably two thirds of your overall income in retirement. So you want to make sure you understand how the program works. You work with someone who also understands the nuances of the social security program, but also can find a way to integrate it into an overall plan, right? Because it's very likely that you're going to have social security as your core um, stream of income, but you're also going to have other accounts, um, whether they be retirement accounts or investment accounts or a pension, that all those streams of income are going to work together to create your overall retirement income. And you want to make sure they're working in a way that are going to last um, for your entire uh, retirement, that are going to make sure that your spouse is taken care of should something happen to you, um, that their streams of income continue. So creating a holistic plan that takes into account all the different variables is incredibly important, either uh, pre-retirement or even if you're in retirement retirement, making sure everything is is set up the way it's supposed to be. So if creating that plan is something that is of interest to you, uh, give us a call 866-360-2724 or visit us online at the IVAG.com. All right. Sounds good. Now, what's the next social security myth you have for us? Yeah. So the the one that I I often hear the myth is people get very upset because they believe that the government has dipped into social security or drained the trust fund, right? I mentioned the trust fund had a surplus of $3 trillion. That's a lot of money that's attractive um, if you're looking for it. And and keep in mind that the social security, that pot of money is not part of the general fund for the government, right? So they can't use it for whatever they want. But the the difference or, or, or where this myth grows out of it is that the federal government has the ability to borrow from the Social Security Trust Fund. And it has done that over the years, right? So what it does is it says, okay, well, we're going to take, uh, for example, a trillion dollars out of the trust fund. We're going to borrow it and replace that trillion dollars with U.S. Treasury securities, right? U.S. Treasury bonds. Now, like any other Treasury security, after a period of time, they pay that back. And so, yes, has the government dipped into the the trust fund to fund other things and and, and use it um, to to do with operations for the government. Yes, but whenever they do that, they they back it up with treasuries. And up to this point, the government has always paid back those obligations. So. Yeah, again, the the myth is born out of the fact that people hear, oh, we the the government raided the trust fund. Well, they are allowed to borrow money out of it, but they have to put U.S. Treasury bonds back into that uh, for every dollar they take out, and they've always paid the money back. So, uh, you know, the the program is still solvent, um, and to date, the U.S. government has paid back its obligations for U.S. Treasuries, and there's no reason to think they won't continue to do that. So that's where that myth comes from, but it's not one that really concerns me because uh, the one of the most uh, <laughs> sturdiest tr- treasuries out there is the U.S. Treasury yeah. bond. So. 
Well, it is. And, you know, I know people out there who essentially view Social Security as a personal retirement savings account. So where does that one fall in the myth versus reality scale? Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, that's a that's a great myth and and it is a complete myth, right? Because you you earn a benefit, right? You receive a benefit, you earn a benefit based on your working history and your income and, and all of that. But there is not an account out there for John Smith that account, you know, you've paid in, let's say theoretically over the years you've paid $200,000 um, into social security based on your income and and your employers. There isn't an account out there that says it's worth $200,000, right? It's not a personal account. Everyone pays in and then the program pays out based on your earnings history, uh, how long you've earned um, and your eligibility. And so that that is not an account that can move around, that you can do something different with. And that's very evident because when you pass away, that benefit automatically stops, right? And so... It, it is not portable like an IRA, right? You can take an IRA with you from one job to another or a 401k, you can roll it over. Those are all individual accounts where you put money in. Social security is not like that, right? It is it is uh, something that you earn and a benefit that pays out and you could collect more money from social security than you ever put into it. But the when you pass away, there is no continuing benefit. It just stops. And that's why, you know, there, there's been conversations over the years about, privatizing it or moving it to a, a more portable system. But right now, that's that's not the way it works. Your benefit is based on what you've paid in and what you can get out. And should something happen to you, even after one day of collecting Social Security, you pass away, the benefit's over. And what you've paid in is paid into the system and, and your heirs don't get to collect some sort of lump sum. Sure. But now when we're talking about Social Security, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, it covers some level of income during your golden years. Uh, what is some level of income? How much are we talking about here? Yeah. So Social Security is not meant to be the main, the the source that you live off completely, right? It's it's aimed to be about 40% of your pre-retirement earnings. Ah. Now, now, at the top of the show, I said, you know, it, it accounts for two-thirds of most people's uh, income in retirement. That's because when you retire, usually your costs go down. Um, but again, you know, the, the point of Social Security is not to fund your entire retirement. It is to uh, at least make sure people have some sort of basic standard of living. And again, it only accounts for about 40% or should uh, provide about 40% of your pre-retirement earnings. Yeah. Well, and that that's a good one. Now, another one that I've heard out there, uh, I've heard this a number of times, is that you don't have to pay taxes on your social security benefit. <laughs> is that myth or reality? I mean, I know the question, but I think some of our listeners might not. So, yeah, so, I know the so answer. Yeah, so that is a myth. And, and yeah. for the first probably, we'll say, 50 years of the program, it was true, right? You didn't have to pay taxes on your Social Security. But once we started getting into the 80s, uh, and we needed to raise some more tax revenue. There were some significant changes that were that were made where Social Security is now taxed, and, and there's a whole bunch of formulas uh, and provisional income levels that go with it. That you know I won't, don't want to get into in the podcast because it's a bit technical. But suffice to say, here's an example: if you have a provisional income above forty-four thousand dollars for a household, okay, up to eighty-five percent of your Social Security is going to be exposed to taxation at your tax rate. 
So not only do you pay taxes on your ordinary income from an IRA or a pension, if you have a chunk of money coming in from Social Security and you meet some certain um, thresholds, now that Social Security is going to be taxed as well where it was not before. So you need to, to make sure and understand how all the different streams of income are going to work together to create taxation for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's key right there, obviously. Um, so, and state taxes, some states uh, tax Social Security as well. Yeah, I mean, I can list them. If you live in Colorado, Connecticut, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Mexico, Rhode Island, Vermont, Utah, and West Virginia, congratulations, you get to pay taxes on your Social Security. Yikes. For most of our listeners here uh, in New Hampshire, you're not on that list. That's so, good. luckily, um, the t- live free or die state, uh, there are yeah. no taxes on your Social Security. <laughs> Right. Live free or die. Well, considering everything you've told us so far today, Peter, it it inspires me to note that your Social Security strategy is a great reason for our listeners out there to work closely with someone like yourself, a financial services professional, to get a plan in place. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important, as we've talked about, you know, Taxation is one of those things, you know, we just mentioned, right? A lot of people don't understand how taxation on Social Security works. And then all of a sudden they get into their their retirement and they've got different streams of uh, um, income coming in, some capital gains, some ordinary income, Social Security, a pension. And all of a sudden they're paying a higher tax rate uh, percentage wise than when they were working uh, because there's there's a lot of variables that go on. So it's critically important, one, to, to maximize your amount of Social Security. Security, right? We want to work towards that, but also make sure we're being tax conscious and, and make an investment, um, you know, savvy so that everything is going to last for the duration of your, uh, your retirement. So if that's, you know, creating a plan again, that's holistic, that takes everything to, into account is important to you. Give us a call 866-360-2724 or visit us online at the IVAG.com. All right. Sounds good, Peter. And a great show today, but we're pretty much out of time for today's show. It just flew by. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? No. Again, give us a call. 866-360-2724. Visit us online at the IVAG.com and and we can talk about Social Security more in depth for your situation. All right. Sounds good. And that does it for today's episode of the Ivy Retirement Podcast with our host, Peter Lawson. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Ivy Retirement Podcast. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Peter Laufenberg at the Ivy League Advisory Group. Call 866-360-2724 or visit them online at theivyag.com. Investment advisory services offered through the Ivy League Advisory Group, LLC. Tilton, New Hampshire, 866-360-2724. A registered investment advisor registered in the state of New Hampshire and Vermont. Peter Laufenberg and the Ivy League Advisory Group, LLC, are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.